lectionary. And the lectionary is a three-year cycle that covers nearly all of Scripture. And the reason why we like it and feel that it's a good guide for us is it's twofold, really. One is because so many churches worldwide use the lectionary. It binds us. It connects us with people across the globe who are reading the same scriptures that we've been reading all this week or are focusing on this morning. A lot of the scriptures that show during the Psalms are part of the lectionary reading for today. We also like it because it makes you have to reckon with all parts of scripture, even the not-so-friendly parts. So I think if we didn't, something that was sort of pushing us into the not-so-friendly parts. We'd stay over here in the soaring on wings like eagles and speaking Jesus sermons and leave out the, like, babies dashing, dashing babies had to get props stuff and the weird hard stuff of Psalms just for you guys, right? So as I was looking at the lectionary passages today, I was like, oh, I got good ones. I got great ones to choose from. And I picked Matthew. Matthew is where we're going to be spending our time. So we just heard Stitch uh, read for us. Now, in Matthew, in that passage, we witness this real life high for Peter. This is like a good moment for Peter. Let's walk through it, all right? So, you can't tell, you can't really get much better than this. One, God reveals something massive to Peter on behalf of, oh, you know, his entire population. That's kind of a deal. Two, then he gets this big A-plus from Jesus Christ himself for answering correctly based on the revelation from number one. Good job, A-plus for Jesus. All right. Number three, then he receives, Peter receives this promise of being the foundation of the church for all of time, this entity through which God will change the world. This is a, this is a deal. And then to top it all off, as if those three things weren't enough, here, let's throw in the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Peter, you win. Woo, Peter. Thank you. 
knows that his time on earth has come to a close. So this moment, when Jesus is talking about public opinion and then turns and asks them what they think, becomes a really critical moment in the faith development of the community of disciples. Peter seizes the moment. He gets it. He knows what's going on. And he boldly declares, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And we need to look at what that means for a minute. All of the disciples were Jewish. And that means that they knew scripture. They knew that passage from Daniel. They knew Daniel 7. And they knew that there would be the superhuman riding on the clouds, human Messiah figure coming. They didn't know when or what that would look like, but they knew to expect it. And they were encouraged to expect it just as much as we are expecting that same Messiah today. And Peter's confidence in Jesus was representative of a really small but a growing number of Jews who believed that their waiting time had come to an end. The one to come already came, and he was Jesus. And he was standing right in front of them, and he was the one that they were already following. Peter's statement that Jesus is the Messiah is a big, big Right? We get that. It's huge. He's really stepping out to something like completely in his reach. Now, I was planning at this point to take the sermon in a really nice direction. There's a lot there already. We could have a wonderful discussion right now about what I just talked about and build right up on it on the theme of faith and boldness and declaring who Jesus is and the blessing that follows. I'm learning as I'm preaching a little bit more and more in my life than I ever had before that nothing is going to ruin a good sermon by continuing to read scripture. It's true. I keep reading it. It ruined it. It ruined your sermon. It didn't really ruin it. Just built a different one. So, how am I hearing this? Am I all right? No? Oh, you're bad. You were supposed to tell me. Oh, but there's good news. Stalin can take you with him in a different direction next time. Okay, is that better? Hey, you probably should have told me. My mom should have told me that news, right? She, oh, she couldn't hear. Okay. Thanks, mom. Okay, so back to this. So, um, and we keep going. So I kept going in Matthew because I think it's important when you're speaking not to just look at the little section that the lecture is giving you, but you got to look at the whole thing. And I keep going in Matthew, and I realize that Peter, he keeps having these shiny moments. He does pretty well, and he's on a roll. So he's already declared that Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus gives him a big A-plus for that. He gets the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's doing well. He's going to be the foundation of the church. And then, shortly after that, he passionately defends Jesus by telling Jesus he will never let Jesus suffer death. This comes out of, like, love and friendship. For Jesus, that's another kind of a high moment. And then we keep going. One week later, they're on the mountaintop, and the transfiguration, this awesome, insane moment happens. And God speaks out, naming Jesus as the Son. And then from that moment forward, Jesus starts calling himself the Son of Man all the time. He's really owning that title from way back in Daniel. And that moment for Peter, when Peter hears God say, you are the Son, Gotta feel like this divine, awesome pat on the back from God, reaffirming Peter. 
shows up yet again. When Jesus is asked by the crowds, are you the Messiah? He answers by calling himself the Son of Man. Clearly, he's referring to the Messianic figure in Daniel 7. I think that's all. But I got to thinking, here's this crowd, and Jesus is calling himself the Son of Man. So Peter is in that crowd, right? Well, Peter's hearing Jesus refer to himself as the Son of Man. What's that going to do for Peter? It's going to pull him right back to that victorious moment when they were talking about the Son of Man, when he declared that Jesus was the Messiah. That's got to be a heavy and personal moment for Peter as he's watching Jesus. It's also got to pull Peter back to that moment on the mountain when God named Jesus as the Son. And Peter's correct answer is reaffirmed yet again. And when I started to think about that, about Peter being in the crowd and connecting with Jesus over the Son of Man language, reassures me that Jesus understands and relates with all the dizzying joys of a devastated heartache to what it meant for him. Really gorgeous statement. Number three, I say that Jesus is an advocate for all, and Jesus is a truth teller. 
Thank you. 